This broadcast is brought to you by Integrity Staffing Solutions. At Integrity, we're passionate about connecting great talent with great companies across North America. For more information on how our custom, flexible workforce solutions can help solve your biggest challenges, visit us online at integritystaffing.com. We're now listening to HR Liftoff in three, Welcome back, folks, to HR Liftoff. I am here with Link Kroger. Now, I want to make sure everybody's going to know I'm reading this, but I want to do you justice, Link, (laughs) and how I'm explaining uh, what you do. Link is a social innovator and president of Night Moves, and I'm going to have Link explain what Night Moves is uh, to do it justice, uh, but it has to do with elite technology professionals uh, with training and then different technology disciplines with an intentional focus on including Native American rural and urban and underserved communities. So I think I got that all out right, right, Link? Yeah, that's great. (laughs) Welcome to the show. Thank you. Um, So I was doing a little background. So why the name Night Moves? Well, so it's night like a chess piece too, not like the Bob Seger song for us. Right, right. (laughs) Um, But if you you played night, you know, if you ever played chess and you're in and you've used a knight in chess. It's the it's that piece on the board that really changes the game, right? And again, chess players will get it right, but it's the piece that moves. It's the only non-linear moving piece. It's the it's the piece that jumps over the barriers to get you to your destination, right? It plays from the center. It's it has um, it's the only piece that can um, you know put put you in a checkmate situation where they have to give up. You know, it's a very strategic piece, and and that's the idea is is if we're going to change. The, the fabric of diversity and inclusion, we have to do something different, non-linearly innovative, jump in the barriers because, you know, in my 35 year career, I just haven't seen uh, progress like we should have seen. Um, and that's why Night Moves was created. I love it. I read that and thought like, that is very clever <laughs> and, and actually very key to kind of what you were doing. Um, so now I'm going to ask, can you explain what Night Moves does? Yeah. So, you know, primarily um, the first thing we do is what you just shared is we're very community focused. That would be urban underserved, uh, which might be more neighborhood, um, uh, Native American and rural communities. So think of us going in and bringing our training program in um, where individuals really get a better than four year degree um, over about a three year period. um, And they end up coming out of the gate with no debt. Right, starting at it, it, sixty thousand a year, um, and um, and then our secondary function is that we create technology to advance nonprofit and social benefiting causes. So think of think of any nonprofit area, whether it's you know homelessness or hunger or helping women out of um, sex trafficking or disaster relief. Right, is is we we innovate those spaces. Um, and they're our primary tool, a core aspect of why our training is so good. And when I say training is so good, um, when we created this program, uh, and I'm branching off a tiny bit here, but please, it please, was, yes. you know, so companies, and we're talking to an HR group, right? And, um, you know, the big challenges, right? I would say the top push right now for I think challenging HR, one of them, and there's always a bunch of you know pushers, but is 
the demand that social equity is stop requiring four-year degrees or equivalent experience, right? Because that's right now considered the biggest barrier of inclusion is that HR requirement. So um, that I see out there of the push. So the challenge is, right? Well, companies count on the college system for their entry-level talent skilled preparation, you know, if it's professional and they count on it for their diversity, right? Because if from an entry-level talent perspective. So if the if the college system isn't producing enough skilled talent in an area that they need or isn't getting the diversity, there's very few levers that companies can do, um, such as like apprenticeship programs, right, is one of them. But the challenge with apprenticeship programs, for those of us who's ran them in technology and probably other, you know, deeply technical or, you know, high skilled areas, right, is they work great for plumbers and, you know, um, HVAC because, you know, you right. bring on an apprentice and they can do something of value, right? They can carry something and they can learn and then they can start adding value. If you look at something like software development, you know, even in my experience of probably hiring over a hundred four-year computer science degrees myself and putting them to work, right, is you get someone with even three years of college, they they can't come in and be effective intern because it's it's not the money you're paying them that's the problem. It's the sucking the life out of your senior resources who are trying to get something done, right? right. That's the barrier. So when it created this, it was like, okay, when we put someone in, our most important element has to be they're ready to contribute. So like, you know, meaning in the technology software development space, our guarantee is that day one, when somebody joins your team, they're going to add velocity to your team, meaning, you know, they're going to help you get more done that week versus normally when you add somebody, your team actually has a velocity drag because you're people have to spend time getting them up to speed. So circling back to the second piece of what we do with social innovation, our first foundation is seven computer science courses, right? Like Java, C Sharp, you know, traditional education. But then our core program that really gets you prepared, right? Where companies will say hiring a Night Moves graduate is like hiring someone with a four-year computer science degree after they have six months experience on the job, right? And you can see those quotes like on our website, right? Of companies saying that. And that's because you're gonna get your foundation courses like you would get in college, but then you spend six months building real world technology for real users that really complain that, you you know, that go into production and, you know, the feedback. So it's, and you don't graduate our program until you demonstrate, but our mechanism for giving you that real world experience is putting you on a team of seven to 12 people that's solving a real social benefiting solution like we just talked about, right? So, but it's real, it goes into production, you have real users. So you're hiring someone who's worked in an environment that would be the same as, you know, Google or a Microsoft or pick your big company of how they create technology. They've been doing it for six months and they don't graduate until they demonstrate they can do every aspect of the job. So that was a big intro, but hopefully it gave you kind of a spectrum of, you know, the, the core of what we go after. It does. It makes me think too. So what, and obviously the background, I think that you're focusing on Native, Native American, urban, underserved communities. Do folks need to have a specific type of, I would say, skill set or background to go into Night Moves? And, you know, if you asked me that question when I got into this industry 35 years ago, because I started using, I actually got trained on punch cards, you know, and 
<laughs> people, people today don't even know what a punch card is. Listen, right? like, you would be surprised. We still have some folks that are on punch cards and will not let it go. And you know what? Sometimes I'm like, well, they're very accurate. You know, well, <laughs> if and, you go and, back, that's what it is. Yeah. And in the software industry, what I mean by a, a punch card is in the old days, you really, when you wrote a line of code, it would get punched onto a card. And like now today, your software just installs in your computer, right? On a hard drive, it goes into memory. Well, in the old days, you didn't have hard drives. Your software was literally on physical cards that you put into a card loader and your software would load in. And then you have to load your data in with other cards. I won't get on the old man stories, but think of like, okay, you load up your computer and you want to use Microsoft Word, right? You'd literally get a deck of cards out, you know, like a shoebox. And in each line of that program, you know, obviously very different memory sizes, very different constraints, but that just shows you how old I am is that's well, where I started. I don't think so. I think myself and a lot of other lift offers just learned something completely new. <laughs> so I was like, oh, punch cards. Yeah, time. No problem. That's actually yeah. very interesting. That's how computers <laughs> used to work. But, but anyway, I veered off your question. I forgot what it was. Um, I'm thinking about the old days. Uh, so if, do you have to have a specific skill set to get oh, into it? Thank you. Yeah. yeah. So in the old days, you know, it was very math centric, right? You know, like I started with Fortran and assembler and your, your, most of your languages were very centric toward the sciences and, you know, this whole agile and all of these evolution and progress of technology have happened. Um, but to answer your question, no, I really don't think there is. I mean, you can be, um, I've worked with people severely autistic um, I've worked, you know, I, cause I would say the primary aspect is being very collaborative and a good team person, right? Because now technology is created as a team, but, um, but again, you know, you can be autistic and, and still be a team player. You're just communicatively, mm -hmm. right. Yes. Um, some challenges you have to work through, but, um, to, so, so basically when I go present to, uh, people on this opportunity, um, and we have a incredibly high conversion rate to try it out because we go into them with what's important to them. And we just say, take a course, take one course in software development, experience it, see if you like it. And if you don't stop taking them, go take an accounting course, take a plumbing course, take that's right. Mm -hmm. But it's kind of like, why do people get to college and change their major so much? Cause you know, our imagination of what we think we're going to like to do, I think I'd like to be a teacher. Then you start going to take your courses and you go, I really don't like this. You have to have experiences. So, you know, how do you get these experiences? And then if you like it, you know, you keep going. So, uh, and like Native American, this is an incredible statistic to me, because like normally when colleges do outreach to, to high schoolers and say, hey, you know, the computer science industry, yada, 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 it's so great. Sign up for a course. You know, you'll normally see like a one to 2% hit rate of the students actually saying, yeah, I'll sign up for a course. Our, our most recent Native American tribe that we went to and presented to all their eighth through 11th graders, right? I get 30 minutes to go in and speak to them. 58% of all the kids said, if I had that opportunity, I'd take that software role in the course. Wow. With 48% female and generally female participation is seven to 10% of all of it is what I generally see. So you actually, there's a couple of questions I have as, as someone who has a 16 uh, year old uh, that is going to be going to college hopefully, you know, or not, or doing something <laughs> uh, after he graduates high school. Uh, I think of costs of college right now uh, that are just increasing. Um, 
and especially I think the the lower minority rate for attendance you know for college and I or you know for minorities just I would say rural or underserved populations so is this the strategy kind of to address that are there other strategies yeah, I mean, I think this can translate to any career field. And, you know, I, I'm going to get you get your live feedback here, Megan, to see what yes. you think, because you're in the staffing industry yourself, yes. right? So you can tell me if this is, so this is like our approach is we'll have a set of foundation courses. If the local community college can teach them, we'll partner with them because in most states, while you're in high school, if there's a community college course you can take. It's free to the student in most states. So yes. it's like, you know, we're, we're a social benefiting organization, right? We're, we're here to create an outcome. We're not here to create an institution to feed ourselves, right? That needs more money. Right. So if we have that, we go in and 100%, we literally just go in and recruit the high school students into that community college program. Um, and by the way, we start about 85% of our participants will come through the high school because if you want to get more people into tech, you got to start younger. So like in yes. Iowa, the average age of someone who goes to a code camp is 36 years old, right? So yeah, that's astounding. Really? Yeah, it's that high. That's the average age of somebody who starts a code camp. Wow. Is So we're starting at somebody who's 16 because we're, you know, if there's a 1.4 million shortage of comput computer science workers a year in the United States, you've got to get people in when they're younger. And the same thing with diversity, right? If you want to get someone interested, you have to start working with them when younger. And also, since we work in underserved communities, we give people a vision and a focus and a goal, and we help them along that pathway, right? Of giving them a future to focus on besides all of the distractions around them. Because you know what, if you're in a um, you know, I, I can't tangent on that too much right now. If you want to talk about it later, we can. But there's so many more distractions and there's so much less support for people, you know, single mom, yes. uh, you know, working two jobs or, you know, health issues or alcohol issues or drug issues or whatever it is they're dealing with, right? The unsafety in their neighborhoods when they go out, it's a totally different, right? Survival kind of existence in a lot of ways. Um, but you know, we're helping those people. But if we can get to community college, they will provide those seven courses. We recruit into it. If they don't, we provide them ourselves. And then they go through that minimum six-month program I shared with you before, right, of mm -hmm. real-world experience. And then they spend six months doing more of an internship. So, you know, and I partner with staff hog companies. So, you know, like my requirement is that you just do a payroll deduct that pays us back the cost of the training. But, you know, if you look in, you know, kind of looking at the math on this, you know, simplistically, we're paying them, like, $15 an hour, right, is what the person gets, which is not bad for an internship. But remember, they've only spent six months, maybe a year going through training that they haven't paid a nickel for because they don't pay up front and they don't have to pay unless they get a job, right? Because we bring the employers them. That's really, frankly, the easy part of this because everyday companies go, do you have more graduates, right? Can can we get people? Um, when, when you have such a quality product helping people, especially in diversity and inclusion, companies want to be part of that. So now this person works six months in a professional capacity for companies, right? They can work for night moves that we, I could work with a staffing company and they place them with a great client. And then for six months, they do that internship. But now remember, it's not like a normal intern, right? These people are, when they start, you can put them on a software development team 
and your velocity is going to go up that first week, which is again pretty unheard of. You're, that's not going to happen with a college graduate, right? You're going to it's going to no. It's, so now the staff fog company can, um, and generally staff fog really can't even sell people, you know, coming right out of college because HR departments. Um, and you can have a different perspective than me here. I love the open dialogue, right? Is HR is usually going to say we're going to go through, you know, just directly recruit ourselves. So it also creates a nice market because it is a differentiator, right? But um, but anyway, that's kind of the the grant. And then after those six months doing the professional work, mm-hmm. their education is totally paid off, right? Because we just want to get back the cost of our training, so then we can take the next person through it, right? So it repeats itself. But it's risk free for that person. They just have to meet the criteria, and they have to keep performing and showing they can demonstrate they can do the job and advancing. Well, I, so you hit a lot of good key points. And I will say there's, you know, one is someone who you mentioned college and not knowing exactly what to do. You're exactly right. I mean, I, I think I picked three, if not four majors by the time I was a sophomore, you know, and finally kind of figured it out. And then it was a credit game. Uh, and I think now the importance of different exposures in high school Right. Where I think like th- that is the time period like that. That's where you're going to make that impact. Uh, and I think a lot of employers now, too, are looking at, I would say, education requirements and really kind of coming to the table and saying, like, is this necessary anymore? Right. And it might be slightly antiquated, depending on what field you're talking about. Right. Where everybody 10 years ago was, oh, you know, at least a high school education or GED equivalent, some were four year college degree. And of course, I'm not talking like super specialized. Right. Like there's there's those buckets. But um, especially with the labor market now, I think they are a lot of employers are reevaluating what that need really is. Um, what I love about what you're doing, though, like you're like you said, you're like you're not looking to make this back. Like you're not looking to make profit. You're, you're actually looking to just, you know, recoup an investment that was made. But then empower you know different populations that normally wouldn't even have this exposure right like if i said to i'd say different groups that we have like you would have this possibility like are you interested and of course not everybody's going to be interested in coding um or there's a perception like when you said 36 i was like 36 uh because even myself if you asked me directly like are you interested in coding i would say i'm interested to know how it works i don't know if i would be any good at it Right. Like, I I just don't know. Like, it fascinates me. Like, how do things get together? How do they get put together? Uh, But I think for a lot of folks, if you can show that trajectory where they might not have had one to begin with. And I think that's that's an amazing part. Um, And for night moves, like if I think I see it all the time and I think again for my son, I'm like, should I sign him up for a code camp? Should I sign him up for a course, you know, maybe to see if he's interested? Um, is yours do something differently than I, I'm sure it does than I would say what a normal code course would be? Yeah. So, you know, you think of a code camp and definitely not knocking code camps. It's just totally yeah. different levels, right? Like, you know, there's just no correlation of a code camp to four-year computer science degree. It's night and day difference. But you're only spending four to six months total in duration at a code camp, right? Like a, a low end code camp is four months. A high end code camp is six months, right? Um, with pretty um, significant costs though, even with them. So if you look at that right there, you take somebody who's never done it. And in four to six months, they get saturated, they get, you know, the skills and then they go off to their job. And, you know, typically code camp graduates are going to make 20 to 30,000 a year less than someone coming out of a, four-year degree or like out of our program, probably 40 to 50,000 less than a four-year degree. Mm. 
But, you know, you, you think about, and that's really a core aspect of our program, right, is how much can you absorb in four to six months, right? Not, you know, duration. It's, I mean, it's crammed in. Again, they're, they're good, but there's kind of good, better, best. And I call code camps good. I call computer science about 40 degrees better. And I call this kind of a program best because it's a real world experience. But you're still going to get three years minimum to absorb all the information, right? Because you have to take those seven courses, which you can't take all at once. You have six months and then you have the six months world experience. So it's three to three and a half years duration to go through the whole thing. You're just starting sooner, right? Because you're starting typically mm-hmm. your junior year in high school and um, you're having much more of an experiential learning than a classroom. Like our, like our core program after you get past the foundations, it's all experience, right? It's all real world hand-on application, learning to create real scalable, secure, right? All continuous integration, continuous all of the modern ways you look at building and creating software, you do. Because so to an HR department, would you rather hire someone that just finished their HR or I'm sorry, that finished their education or somebody who actually shown they can do the job? And that's what we're doing, right? Is nobody goes to an employer until they've demonstrated they can do the job. And if they can't demonstrate it, they can keep going. And if you ever look at our like marketing material, you'll see our program is a tilde six months. Meaning if it takes you six months to get through it, to learn it, great. If it takes me 10 months, great. Because you, you don't, it's not butts and seats in a class taking, you know, memorizing and taking tests, right? right? It's when you can do it, you graduate. And if you can't, you don't graduate. I mean, it's, it's kind of that simple. It's that simple. (laughs) Uh, And and I read this, I mean, to me, honestly, it was a startling statistic, uh, and then I watched, you know, some of the other um, shows that you've done, but the tech talent shortage gap is the widest in 35 years and growing. And I immediately thought, well, that can't be right. And I was like, with everything, like how advances and especially with, you know, I would say different ages and how they interact with or just with each other now where I'm thinking like, okay, social media or this, where I'm like, okay, uh, but then Silicon Valley. I'm like, there's all the companies in Silicon Valley. But you had a different approach. And I read about this with Iowa and I believe it was the state representative and kind of bringing that ecosystem to smaller places um, and and how you're supporting those communities. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, like um, the Meskwaki Nation, uh, the Sac and Fox tribe in, in, in the middle of Iowa. Um, we've, um, we're working on creating a technology job center, right on the, you know, the settlement right there, right on their property mm-hmm. and creating a modern high tech place where they can work and people from outside the native American community can work. But then that there were, I mean, still about 75% of software development is remote. It's the one job that's sticking, right. There's right. more than one, but you know, I mean, if you can, it's pretty difficult for a company to say, geez, I've got 20 people in India. You couldn't do this in, you know, Eastern Washington state, right. And from a native American reservation, right. It's pretty right. tough to make that argument. Um, and plus I tell you what, when you, if I were to take you through the slides and the pictures of the tribes that we support and the people, your heart, you just go, people have no idea the suffering of native Americans in our country. Right. It's um, it's difficult to talk about, it's the only place I've seen in our country. I've seen personally people living out of garbage dump conditions. Um, it's it's um, it's so difficult. Um, but you know, once again, Megan, you asked me a question. I got down a rabbit trail of thought there. Very fair. Yeah, I, I, I got where we're going with that. I completely understand. Uh, we were talking about how there's the the 
tech shortage gap and bringing it to smaller or more rural areas instead of just like do what I did where it's like, well, there's so much in Silicon Valley or people can work from home. Like, but you were able to exemplify how you're doing that to support communities where yeah. I, I don't typically think that people would think, well, there's, yeah, there's like tech talent here. You know? Well, and think about, think about the impact, right? Like native Americans, I go and just, we go in, you know, just unassumably and say, Hey, why is it talk to tribal chiefs and leaders why is it you have like the lowest of the lowest attendance rates of four-year college of any demographic, but yeah, you have of the most four-year scholarships that don't go filled. That seems like a dichotomy. Mm-hmm. Right? And they Very say, well, look, you need to understand something. There's like 374 tribes, right? And this is them speaking to me and saying, you know, and, and you know, you look at Native Americans as Native Americans, but you know, we're, we're, we're Kiowa, Cheyenne, Comanche, there's like 374. We're all our own people group, right? And there's only 4,000 of us left on this postage stamp out in the middle of nowhere, right? Where we got stuck, you know, or after the trail of tears. And if our kids leave and go to college, they never come back. And we mm-hmm. die as a people group. Our people group literally dies. So you think about these are people that have a culture, a past, a religion, a language. All of that dies if we require them to go to college and then relocate to cities to get the jobs. They, they die. So why can't we bring the education to them, bring the jobs to them, revitalize these, these areas? People, I mean, it's brilliant people, right? And they just literally, it's the absolute kind of best use case for what exclusion looks like when you require a four-year degree, even if they can do it, right? When you require them to relocate, to leave their families, right? It's, it's, you know, it's such a discriminatory practice to require people to move to take a job that they can do, especially like if you, if you can do that with a pot of people, right? Like say you have a whole team, right? I mean, so anyway, it's a big passion point. We could talk for a long time there. Um, Well, I think very well said and I think it deserves. So Uh, how do folks get in touch? Because we're going to put all of your information in the podcast notes, but I just want you to make sure to shout out, you know, communicate um, so so folks or companies can get in touch with you. Yep. So nightmoves.org. And again, it's night like a chess piece and there's a contact on there and just it'll it'll get to us and we will get back to you. And um, also speak at a lot of conferences and one commercial I have to do real quick, Megan, is because to me, this is the ultimate like, um, you know, I've had different companies say, you know, you've made it through our, our vetting process. We will hire them instead of, you know, in addition to four-year degree graduates, because it's almost always that with, with companies is to go through, okay, send, send your toughest people and let's dig and open it up and look at our engine, right? Mm-hmm. Well, Gardner is now, they have a new area that they're doing of, okay, since there's such a massive need for programs to prepare people instead of four-year degrees because of the discriminatory issue, right? And the exclusive Mm -hmm. issue, they've gone out and evaluated programs and we did a deep dive full panel evaluation of our program. And I'll be speaking at the global CIO summit in March in New York city as an alternative to four-year degree program that, Hey, companies should consider. So um, that's like, so delightful. And I've never been in New York City, so can't wait to Congratulations. Oh, we're going to have to talk after you visit. I want to get get your feedback. (laughs) Well, I can't thank you enough for joining us. I have a feeling we will probably have you back on again, um, if you will, if you will do that for us at another time, kind of just to get an update. Um, But really, congratulations on kind of shining a light and bringing support and how you do it. Well, thank you, Megan. Thank you so much for having me on.
All right, Liftoffers, uh, good to be back. Uh, it's been a couple of weeks, and hopefully, you know, the next topic will hopefully be just as interesting as this one. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for listening to this episode of HR Liftoff. At Integrity, we believe opportunity is everything. We take an associate-first approach because when our associates succeed, our clients succeed. Whatever you need, we're ready to support. We partner with clients large and small to deliver custom staffing solutions that provide the cost, service, and scalability efficiencies you need to stay competitive. Learn more at integritystaffing.com.